Go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of Philemon. The book of Philemon. If you do not know where Philemon is, don't feel awkward about that. Many of us don't. It's a very small letter in the New Testament. It's at the end of Paul's writings because it is the shortest of his writings. If you're flipping in there and you get to Hebrews, you've gone too far right before Hebrews. So last week we went through the first seven verses of Philemon, and I want to just summarize that for you to catch you up. Uh, And then today I'm hoping to go through the rest of the letter. And the idea again here is that we are looking, we are asking God to show us truth from his word and perhaps some new things for a new year. So as I set the the tone from last week, we said that... uh, The Apostle Paul wrote the letter to Philemon from prison. It's known to be one of the prison epistles. And most likely around 62 AD from Rome, probably on house arrest in Rome, but still known as one of the prison epistles with Colossians and Philippians, Ephesians. So the Apostle Paul writes this letter. And according to what we know, based upon Scripture and such, that uh, Philemon is from Colossae. And if you're familiar with the letter to the Colossians, that's the the same place. And so Philemon apparently was traveling around and met up with Paul in Ephesus when Paul was in Ephesus for two and a half, three years. While Paul was there, Philemon seemed to become a believer. And then what he does is he goes back to Colossae and with others and they start a church. And he actually has been hosting the church in his house. So this is actually a personal letter, but what's interesting is, as we saw last week, it's a personal letter to Philemon, but it's supposed to be read to the church. And we talked about that that is how our lives are to be, open with one another. There are a few takeaways from last week, just to, as a reminder, that we, you are a worker for the gospel, just like Philemon is a worker for the gospel. So are you. If you are a Christian, you are a worker for the gospel. We also talked about, Paul says that he's thankful for Philemon. And so we talked about who are we thankful for? Of course, we're thankful to God, but who do we pray and praise God for and thank God for? Who are those people in your lives that have blessed you? We said that we're to have love and faith in Christ and a love for some of the saints. All of the saints, as we talked about last week. And some of you even say that through your teeth like this. A love for all the saints. That's part of what encourages Paul about Philemon is his love for all of the saints, even the difficult ones. And if in particular you struggle with that, maybe you can be encouraged that you are infinitely more difficult than everybody else. You just don't know it yet, but you should. I'm infinitely more difficult than the rest of you, and God is so kind to us. We also saw that we are to share our lives, our faith, which was more than just sharing the message, but sharing our lives with one another. And then we asked the question, are we a refresher like Philemon is? Because Paul ended that section, verse 7, he had said, For I derive much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. And we asked the question, are we people who refresh the saints? or Are we those who have the gift of discouragement? and bring people down all the time. So that's how Paul starts off this letter, and now he's going to switch to this next section. We're going to walk through this, but let me read through it first. You follow along silently, and we're going to see what God may have for us through the rest of this letter. Philemon, chapter 1, because there's only one chapter. 
starting in verse 8. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted, parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So, if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of your owing me, even yourself. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark and Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. What in the world can we learn from this personal letter? Don't forget, Paul is in prison and he just encouraged Philemon the fact that, man, what I love about you, Philemon, what I love about you is that you are gracious and loving to all the saints. Everyone is a Christian. You are loving and you refresh their hearts. So now I have something to tell you. See, what's interesting is this is talking about this Onesimus. And what happened was Onesimus was actually a bondservant. Another word you could use would actually be slave of Philemon. And he lived in his house. And again, don't think quickly uh, uh, the way we do a lot of times with slavery, like here in the United States in the past and things like that. In that time, in that culture, guess what? You didn't have credit cards. So if you were in debt and you weren't paying it back or you couldn't pay things back, you yourself would have to go into slavery or one of your family members, maybe your children. So if we think about that for a second, wow, that would be possibly a lot of people. So what happens is Onesimus is a slave, not a Christian, but he's a slave to Philemon, a bondservant serving. And it's very likely that he was treated well and he worked for him. But what happens is Onesimus, what he does is he escapes. He runs away. Now this would be punishable in that time by flogging, imprisonment, or possibly even crucifixion if you run away and you have debts like that. But he escapes. He runs away and he goes to Rome. Now, why would he go to Rome? Well, he goes to Rome because that is a heavily populated place. And that's where slaves would go to because they could hide out and no one would find them. 
And they could try to start a new life. But what else it seems like he did from the context is it seems like he stole possibly some money or something from Philemon when he fled. And so he goes to Rome. So that's the context that we need to have as this letter goes. You with me so far? Tracking? Yes? Okay. Verse 8. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. He starts off and he says, just so you know, I'm pretty bold, Paul's saying. You ever read some of Paul's stuff? He's kind of bold. He's an apostle. He has authority. And he says, I'm not scared to tell you what to do. I have that authority to do so. I'm bold enough in Christ to command you to do what's required. Yet for love's sake, I'm going to appeal to you. I'm going to believe the best about you, Philemon. I know. I just said, do you remember a couple verses? He was just saying about Philemon and how he does what's great. And he's encouraged constantly by him for his love for all the saints. What he's saying is, hey, I know you're going to do what's right here. I don't need to command you. I appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, this is towards the end of Paul's life, probably four years before he dies as a martyr, and a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. Verse 10, here's why he's writing. He says, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. What you need to see right here is the providence of God. We're going to see it more as Paul mentions it. But he ran away from Colossae, from Philemon, and he goes to Rome to hide out, and it's there that he meets Paul and becomes a Christian. And so Paul has become his father, and he's writing him, and what's actually going to happen is Onesimus is going to take this letter, and he's going to take it back to Philemon. He's also going to take the letter, because Colossae is very close, and he's going to take that letter too. So where is this going? Paul says, formerly he was useless to you, verse 11, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. What's interesting is his name means useful. But guess what? He wasn't living up to that. Why? Because he ran away and possibly stole. But what's interesting is God has saved him. And so Paul is saying because God has saved him, he is now extremely useful. Verse 12, he says, I'm sending him back to you. Sending my very heart, or some of your translations will say, my insides. He's saying, I love this guy. He is now a Christian, and I'm sending him back to you. That shows that Onesimus is willing to go back and face the heat. He doesn't know what Philemon's going to do. He could be flogged. He could be put in prison. He could be killed. But yet, Onesimus is willing to go back. What that is, folks, is repentance. It's a change of thinking, which results in a change of action. How many of you, if you had done somebody wrong like that, would you be willing to go back to them and confess it? See, Paul's been teaching him. God's Spirit's been working in him. And Paul says, I'm sending him to you, and I'm sending this letter. He says in verse 13, I would have been glad to keep him with me. It would have been great. I'm on house arrest. This guy is serving. It's great. I would have, I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. I led you to the Lord. You guys love me. You support my ministry, Paul's saying. I'd have been glad to keep him here. But, verse 14, I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. See what he's saying? I could have kept him, 
I could have had him stay, but I'm going to send him back to you because I didn't want to presume that because I know you're going to do what's right. I'm going to send him to you because I want you to do what's right out of your own heart. Brothers and sisters, that's a big thing that we got to work on. And honestly, what that means is we need God's Spirit to work in us. How many of us constantly serve the Lord, come to gather for worship, go to Sunday school, share with people perhaps, and it's all out of duty, out of compulsion, versus out of an overflow of a heart that loves God. What Paul's saying to Philemon is, I don't want that for you. I'm going to give you the option to do what's right, and I trust that you're going to do it. And look what he says in verse 15. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. What he's saying is God providentially, I think that here's what's happened, Philemon, that he went away from you so that he could be saved. God working in just an amazing way. Verse 16, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. A couple things that we've seen there. I don't want you to miss. If you look on the back of your notes here, I gave you some more. Last week, some of you were really excited. I gave you fill in the blanks. You're really pumped up about that, so I did it again. That first one up top there, be driven by love, not compulsion. Now again, you will not be able to do that on your own strength. It has to be the love of Christ that compels us, so we have to rely on His Spirit. But something else that we've seen up to this point so far is Onesimus, whose name was useful, he was useless, but look what God does. God makes things that are, those that are useless, useful. Some of you have been told many times that you're useless. There's nothing you can do. You've done too much in your past. God couldn't use you. If you're still breathing, He can use you. By His grace, He can use you. You are useful to God if you are following Christ. The third one there that I want you to fill in, God providentially works all things together for His purposes. We actually see that in this story, in this letter. Now, those things are important, and now I want to continue on because what we're going to see in these next couple of verses are actually quite remarkable. So here's what Paul says to him in 17. He says, so if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If you, if you look at me as a partner in the gospel, here's what you got to do. When you see him, this guy who's wronged you, who's run away, who's stolen from you, when you see him, you see me. The one who led you to Christ, the one who loves you. That's what you're supposed to do, Philemon. When you receive him, receive him as you would me. Again, if Paul was coming, there'd be a party. Paul's coming. Look at this. Paul's here. How about the guy who stole from you? The guy who ran away. You going to have a party? You going to celebrate that? Here's what Paul's saying. Celebrate that. Why? Why would he do that? Look at verse 18. If he has wronged you at all, listen to this, Listen carefully. This is a bigger picture of what Paul's drawing of our salvation. If he has wronged you at all or or owes you anything, charge that to my account. Whatever he's done, if he's taken something from you, charge it to my account, Paul says. And he goes right on to say, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. This is now legal. Whatever he's taken, charge it to my account. Now how 
Why does this matter? I need a volunteer. But because my buddy has been gone for a few weeks, hey, Mr. Ashton, if you'd come up. This was, I had no warning on this, by the way. No, you didn't. Good to see you. Good to see you, too. Mr. Ashton, want to let you know that uh, we here at the First Baptist Church of Cedar Key have a need to inform you of something. We're informing you that um, you did something wrong. Shocker. <laughs> you were out something with your house and something broke, and we just need to inform you today, Mr. Ashton Dobbs, that as of today, you owe our church $10 in damages. Is that concerning to you? Slightly. Slightly. He could handle $10. Hey, congregation. Do we care that much if he gives us our $10 for his damages? Not that much? Okay, well, this one's signed. Let's just say this one doesn't exist. Mr. Ashton Dobbs. Sir. This one is signed. We here are informing you today that you owe us $100,000 in damages. <laughs> are you concerned yet? Slightly. If you have to pay up immediately, what do you start thinking immediately? I'm going to have to sell my children to pay for that. <laughs> Selling his children, probably starting to go through his mind. Who owes me some money? <laughs> Who could help me? Congregation, if he owes us 100 grand, are we going to care about that a little more than the 10 bucks? It's okay. I got one more. Oh, goodness. Mr. Ashton Dobbs. I'm not good at math. What is that number? Is that $100 million? $100 million. We're informing you that you owe us $100 million. Are you willing to pay that? Able to pay that? It's a lot of zeros. It's a lot of zeros. If he owes us this, what in reference to what Paul was doing, what it would be is like me saying, now, let's put in Billy Dalton's name. And now I owe $100 million. And he owes what? Nothing. Nothing. But it gets better. What Jesus does, Paul is showing what Jesus does. Jesus says, your sin is way more than $100 million that you have sinned against God. You will never pay it back and you can't even get help. So Jesus in our place, pays that. It's called imputation. It's a big word for you. He imputes His righteousness to us, and our sin gets imputed to Him. And He takes that on. Just like I'm taking that. Just like Paul was taking that on. But then Jesus is even better. What does that say? Billy pays to Ashton Dobbs $100 million as a blessing. Memo, blessing. I will hold on to it. I was going to pull out my deposit check. Go ahead. Thank you, sir. Stay in here. Heather said I better keep this with me. The amazing thing about our salvation is we actually do nothing 
to earn it. In fact, we do only thing we bring to it is our sin, and Jesus takes it away. And He doesn't even leave us there. He then gives us all the spiritual blessings. What Paul is doing is he's modeling a little bit of that and reminding Philemon because he knows that Philemon is going to do what's right. And he's reminding him. So he says, if I have wronged you at all, if, if he owes, or if he's wronged you at all, if he owes you anything, charge that to my account. I will repay all of it. Brothers and sisters, because of the grace of God, you do not owe God anything because you couldn't pay him anyway. Jesus has paid that for you. And so what we see on your list here is this next one. Jesus imputes His righteousness to you as a gift. And that should make you praise Him. And so in this reminder to Philemon, if Philemon's thinking about that and now Onesimus comes back, I don't think it's going to be that hard to forgive him, is it? When you think of that, when, with Ashton right there, when you think of a $100 million debt wiped out and then you get $100 million and somebody else stole a little bit from you, you think he's going to care? You think he's going to forgive them if they come running to him and ask for forgiveness? You better believe it. And if you can't forgive or you have not forgiven, then you don't understand that. Does that make sense? Let's finish it up here. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you. Verse 20, in the Lord, refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. He's believing the best about him. He's saying, Philemon, I know you're going to do even more because God's Spirit is at work inside of you. And he says, I'm so sure of it. At the same time, prepare that guest room because I'm also sure that you're praying and God is going to graciously deliver me and I'm going to come to see you. And there's going to be great joy Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark and Aristarchus, Demas and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. What's interesting is on the end there, when he's naming all those people he was with, if you know any of Paul's story, Mark is mentioned here. You know what happened with Mark? Mark joined Paul and Barnabas on his first journey, and Mark deserted them. And so when it came time for the next journey, Barnabas said, hey, let's grab Mark and go. And you know what Paul said? No. I'm not going with him again. And Paul and Barnabas actually split ways because of that. But what's interesting is later in Paul's life, he says, make sure Mark comes to see me because he's useful to me. Paul's lived this, and now he's encouraging somebody else to do the same thing because he understands it. Brothers and sisters, that's got to be us. We've got to understand these things. The last things on your notes here that I want to close with. Brothers and sisters, because of the gospel, Jesus' death in our place when we didn't deserve it, we can humbly apologize, seek forgiveness, and repent of all of our sin to all people. New beginnings for you who are here, here's my encouragement to you. If there's anyone that you need to go to, like Onesimus, walk out repentance and go to them and say, I am sorry, please forgive me. And start right this year. Those you've sinned against, go to them. Because of the gospel, you can do that by the power of the Spirit. Last one there, again, because of the gospel, we get to forgive others. We don't have to forgive others, although we do. But the mentality is we get to forgive others. 
and extend grace to those who do not deserve it because we do not deserve it. Who are you holding a grudge against? Who have you not forgiven? Who are you still saying, you know what? I have rights, just like Philemon could say. You've wronged me. Here's what Paul says. Love says I'm going to put down my rights for the Gospel. Who are you holding a grudge against? I would encourage you to consider forgiving them after you realize how much you've been forgiven. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. God of great mercy, God of great love, we are thankful that you have extended such great forgiveness to us. And not only just showing us mercy and, and wiping away our sin and throwing it, throwing them in the, the ocean that's just so deep, it's just endless, and they just go away but that you would also bless us with every spiritual blessing because of your goodness and your love and your mercy so that for all of time we may praise you and glorify you for how wonderful you are and your amazing grace that you pour out on us. I thank you for everybody that's here this morning, Lord. I do pray for those who are here who do not know you, Lord, that they, they think they can somehow pay back what they owe. Lord, help them to realize that their works will not do it. It is by grace alone. For everyone else, Lord, who's here, who, who knows you and, we, and they love you, Lord, I pray that you would help us, each one of us, to look more like Jesus. I pray you would help us to seek forgiveness where we need to, to extend forgiveness where we need to, to be a people full of love, full of grace, who then tell others about the grace and love that you've shown us, just like Paul is doing with Philemon. Lord, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for my brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, be glorified as we sing of your amazing grace. In Jesus' name, amen.